You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, episode number eight. Today is the last day of the series that I've been talking about based off of my new book, The Glitter Effect. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop talking about my new book, but it is going to be just the final series of the notes that I had for the classes that I taught last year. Now, this episode is a must to listen to, and I'm not just saying that because I think I'm like the best person ever, but we talk about what a pillar is, obeying our elders, being respectful to them, and why it's so important to honor them and the anointing that they have because it can affect our life and our legacy. So let's just get right into it. Let's dive into this episode that I'm calling Pillars and Promises. You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast. I'm JC, and this is the place where we get real, sharing truthful insights that will encourage us to make intentional choices in both life and business. I want to start conversations that not many young Christians today are having. Will you join me? This podcast is brought to you by my new book, The Glitter Effect. Have you ever spilled glitter? It's almost impossible to get every speck back into the bottle. This is exactly how our influence is with the people around us. What we say and do matters, especially if we are to reflect Christ. Are you ready to leave behind a legacy that shines for Him? Then grab your copy today on Amazon by searching for The Glitter Effect or head to the show notes for a direct link. All right, my friend, this is the last episode in the series that's specifically dedicated to my new book, The Glitter Effect. And unfortunately, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop talking about The Glitter Effect because that's my new book. And if I haven't said it's my new book yet, then sorry, it's my new book. No, um, (laughs) I'm just happy with what the Lord has given me because it's just shown me so much and I have grown because of Him and in Him. And I'm just excited to share more with you. So I'm sure there are going to be a lot of principles that will come up in future episodes and I'll probably reference the book here and there. But this series is done um, as of this episode. So let's just get into it. Last time we talked about what it means to please the king instead of appease the king. And we dove into some pretty good details about what friendship means, at least what sort of friendships will help our walk with God. And today I want to kind of wrap everything up and hopefully give you um, the bigger picture of what the glitter effect is as a whole. You're not going to really get the entire concept unless you get the book. So if you haven't gotten it yet, the digital version is available in my shop and you can find that link in the show notes or you can go to helloawesomeshop.com. And the paperback book is available on Amazon. So you can also go on Amazon, search The Glitter Effect, or you can head to the show notes for a direct link. One thing I want us to remember is that our God isn't only the God of now, but he's the God of all time. He knows all things and what we need to make it. And I believe that God knew this life wasn't going to be easy for us. And that's probably why he had the lives of certain people recorded in print so that we could have examples to help us in our journey. At our fingertips, through his written word, the Lord gives us examples to look up to for hope. 
even more amazing is when we have real live examples around us that help point us toward the right direction. So here's today's question. What's a pillar? Well, a pillar is an object of resilience and strength that holds up a structure on a solid foundation. Now, as believers, pillars can also be people who started their spiritual journey before we did, and they point us to Jesus. Pillars are elders and saints who have seen the faithfulness of God and have decided to not be moved. Pillars have deep roots and are not easily blown over. We might call them old-fashioned or stubborn. That might be true. But most of the time, they're just committed. And they know what it takes to stay committed. Now, we've been talking about becoming trees of righteousness and the power of influence. We have to start understanding that the choices we make in our present will affect our future. That what we say and do creates a ripple effect now and into the next generation of believers. Someday, some of us younger Christians will become the elders. We will age and hopefully, along with time, we will grow and learn. Hopefully, we will start becoming mature trees that will bear the right fruits for others. The pillars in the Bible were men and women just like us. They had flaws and insecurities, hang-ups and fears. They were not perfect, and God worked through them anyway. God used the broken, the perverted, and the ignorant ones to carry out his purpose. He doesn't use the perfect ones. He uses the willing. God will use the unknown to make himself known. Abraham, David, Jonah, Hagar, Esther. These are only a few of the names whose stories were recorded with a purpose. The Bible is full of great examples of imperfect people being used by a perfect God. Proverbs 22:28 says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Now as the storms of life rolled in and rolled out, the pillars remained standing. Maybe the ground shook a little and the enemy declared battle. But the pillar never gave up. And eventually, the enemy fled the scene. Hardships and heartbreaks might have brought them to their knees in desperation. But they kept their faith. They followed God and planted themselves firmly in His promise. Pillars are more than strong supports. Pillars are trees of righteousness. Elders are not a nuisance, but they are our support system. It really is a pet peeve of mine when I see a young person scowl at an elder. It really is. Everyone has done it at some point, but the older that I get, the more my eyes are being opened to just how precious elders are to the community of the church. We must be careful how we treat the elders in our church. Their influence is a gift to us, an example of righteousness, a voice of wisdom. James 5, 14 and 15 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he committed sins, he shall be forgiven him. There is a special anointing that God gives the faithful pillars of the church. It is given to those who have soaked the altar carpet with tears of brokenness. 
The ones who arrive early to pace the floors in travailing prayer, pushing back the gates of hell with their pleas. The people who go home and church is not just a place they leave because it's woven into their identity. They are the church. The elders don't have to talk to you or even know your name to have an influence in your life. God uses them to transform the atmosphere of every single service. And we should not forget that. Elders bring us back to the basics. And if we don't have the elders there to bring us back to our roots, we'll be easily blown away by whatever comes by that sounds good. Every Sunday and Wednesday night service at our church, we have time for testimonies. Sometimes I stand up when the Lord places something in my heart, but honestly, I love hearing my elders. I love hearing them speak. It's so encouraging. People who should be dead, but they're not. And they're standing in front of the church praising God. People who had broken marriages, sick children, finances ruined, cancer-ridden bodies are still here as an example to me that no matter what happens, God is on our side and we are not alone. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When they share who God is and what he did for them, it reminds me who really is control of this thing called life. At the end of the day, he still reigns. He is the God of miracles. He is the almighty chain breaker. He is true love, complete peace, a faithful friend, and so, so much more. The testimonies of our elders are life-breathing opportunities for us to connect with the heart of God. Scripture says that we are a chosen generation. But we weren't chosen because we are good. We weren't chosen because we know all the answers or are the most talented people ever to walk the earth. No. You're not chosen because you're going to be a good preacher or you're going to be a good pianist. We were chosen because God is good. His love defines our purpose. And yet it irritates me to see so many young people act like they know everything and that no elder can tell them anything. Now, I'm 34 years old, and if I can't take direction from somebody older than me, it's a problem in my heart. You know that saying, only God can judge me? I really don't know why people use that as a defense. That should really frighten them. I don't think they even realize the magnitude of the situation when God judges us. But I hear people say this so many times, especially to defend what they're doing and give them an excuse to ignore godly counsel from their elders. If you don't listen to elders he has already placed in your life to correct you on earth right now, you don't even want to wait to hear the verdict later. By then, it's going to be too late, my friend, to change anything. But we have the chance to change right now, and God uses the elders to make that happen. Honestly, the greatest elder to give honor to is the Lord himself. He is the God who created all things and is beyond space and time. The one who overcame the grave and pours out his spirit every single day. The one true God whose name is Jesus, 
whose power exceeds the fiercest oceans. Knowing God is what it's really all about. The elders of the church are unmovable in their faith because they truly know God for themselves. All their hope is in Jesus, and so they stand. They endure, and their legacy will glorify the Lord. Now, the United States was founded by God-fearing men and women, and their mindset sculpted the culture. Just like the Bible, our nation's history contains many unpleasant memories. And not everything was great or ethical, and yet our foundation as a nation knew the Lord. The very basis of all the declarations and the laws came from a place of honoring God. Our founders didn't do everything right. They didn't. But they tried, and despite their weaknesses and ignorance, the Lord used them anyways to shape our nation. We are His megaphone of grace to a hurting world. God wants to be known to the dying beggar, the heartbroken widow, and the isolated teenager. We don't have to be afraid to share our testimonies. Our stories are a gift. Nobody can take away your story from you. They might be able to silence you some way, but your story is yours. God can use it to bring people to Him. When you use your voice to bring forth the message God wants you to speak, the opportunity for souls to be saved is enhanced. Our nation needs our influence. It doesn't need another lukewarm Christian who thinks more about their outfits on Sunday than bowing to an altar. The world doesn't need another person that looks and acts like they do but secretly believes in God. Our friends don't need another person who won't read their Bible but they'll anxiously stream live videos on social media at 2 a.m. Our families don't need another person rushing from one thing to the next, numb to the Holy Spirit, yet actively aware of the to-do list that they have. See, bravery tells fear that we will serve God anyway. The world's definition of brave is not the same as God's definition. Sharing our story doesn't have to be with a loud roar or raised fists. It can be soft whispers to a friend at lunch, during a family walk around the neighborhood, or through email with a curious heart overseas. God is still moving among his people, and his love can never be diminished. Bravery is saying the cross was enough to take care of the darkest sin, and Jesus can do it again. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. 2 Timothy 1 seven through nine. The light of God can't shine forth through a sealed vessel. A covered candle can't cast a glow. And the same is true with us. So let's not wait anymore, right? Let's not. Our lives are a vapor, just a speck on the timeline. How we use this time could change the course of history. Can you think about that? There are legacies waiting to be written. You have a legacy. One legacy I want to speak about right now is the one Paul left behind. I'm going to share a piece of writing from the book that was inspired by Acts 21. It's a little lengthy, but hang in there with me. 
the added pressure of the chains shackled around his wrists and ankles took his breath away and caused the blood in his veins to pulse with chaos. He slowly walked away. There was a stinging cut above his right eyebrow, but it didn't compare to how badly his back was bruised. Warm blood dripped from his nostrils as strong men pushed him toward the door. His feet dragged with every step as the chains chimed a death song. The shouts from the crowd faded away from his ears, and an unspeakable peace flooded his countenance. As the men led him closer to the door, he caught a glimpse of steps that overlooked the crowd. He stopped. A still, small voice inside him was saying, Now is the time. Paul turned toward the guards as he stood among an angry mob. The people shouted obscene words, and they desired to see him destroyed. Turning towards the chief captain, Paul found his voice. May I speak with you? he asked. After a short discussion with the chief captain, Paul was granted permission to ascend the steps and address the crowd. The crowd of people who wanted him arrested. Paul lifted up his hand and a hush came over the grounds. It was then that Paul spoke about the powerful encounter he had with God while on the road to Damascus. In Acts 22, the crowd is silent as they watch and listen to Paul. Still bound up and arrested, he details his testimony with anointed boldness. He explains how he was once called Saul and had persecuted the Christian people for their faith. That is, until the Lord spoke to him. And it came to pass that, as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise, and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. Acts 22, 6-10 So Paul continues to share with the crowd how the Lord used a devoted man named Ananias, and through this fellowship he was delivered. God used an elder to influence Paul, and he was converted from an enemy of the Lord to an heir. Paul's influence changed the world. He understood the power of words and how his influence could make a difference. When he was Saul, he still had influence, but it was damaging. He was responsible for bringing destruction and death to believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when God stepped in that day and Saul obeyed his voice, there was a shift. Paul's new name gave him a new mission and his influence a new purpose. Now, Paul wasn't completely delivered on the spot. He was given a command to find Ananias and follow what the Lord said. There was action that needed to happen before the miracle. Fear and distraction are leading us so far off and polluting our legacy. Everything is, I want it now and I want it my way. We need to do a better job at respecting our elders and slowing down long enough to actually listen and then apply what they teach us. 
Here are a series of questions that I want you to answer honestly to yourself. If I stay on the path I'm on now, what will my legacy look like? How will my influence in this life speak of Jesus? Will I be representing God in the story I leave behind? How will my present choices affect the future and beyond? We don't need to know all mysteries to obey God. We don't. All we need is a willing heart, and we might have to lay down our bruised pride in order to become the person we're called to be. If you're struggling, look for a pillar. Look for those who are stable and established in the Lord. They are examples for you. They can help redirect your attention back to God. When you look to pillars for guidance, you will get inspired through their influence, and that will bring you back to the truth. When I was writing my first book, The Palace Keepers, God reminded me of something. As a kid, I was a ballerina for a little bit, and there was something that we were taught so we wouldn't get dizzy when we spun. We were told to pick an unmovable spot in the room, like a pole or the corner of the room, and when we spun around, our eyes should automatically go to that spot. Now, not only is our Lord our cornerstone, but he has anointed elders and saints to be pillars for us. So when we are spinning from life and the things of this world, we have solid examples to look to that will keep us from falling. Don't you agree that this life has to be more than daily to-do lists and dream jobs, college goals, even parenting stats? We can't be so focused on being well-rounded, more than faith-rounded. The word says to be like a tree, and that's what I encourage us to be today. So let your knowledge of God be a good, solid foundation and firmly plant yourself. Tap into the living water and open yourself to receiving the true light. Allow yourself to be fed the right nutrients through prayer, Bible reading, and living a life of holiness. Be a vessel for good fruit to develop and grow, and therefore you can help nourish others. This moment is preparation for your position as a pillar in his church. You're not going to be the age that you are forever. I hate to say that, but time won't stand still for you. Life will go on, the earth will move, people will grow up, and things will change. It'll be uncomfortable and sometimes it'll be downright messy, but that's part of the process. God will always be working and you will have the power to influence the generations to come. Let's start being accountable for our influence. Be a pillar, strong in the Lord, able to give wise counsel to those who need it. Conduct yourself in a way that glorifies the King. Be a good difference in a world that's full of wickedness. Show others an example of a life that sin didn't permanently damage. A heart that sought and found God whose confidence is in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get in that throne room, girl, and make an altar. Delete anything in your life that's not drawing you nigh to his water. Break down those walls and break free from people that won't help you rebuild. Put up borders of protection and shield yourself from temptation. Learn it's okay to be alone with God and that prayer is never perfect. Shine like godly glitter, reflecting his character and drawing others closer to his side. See, living for God will be hard, but just do it anyway. If I've learned anything in my 34 years of life is that 
Your story belongs to you. And nobody can take that away from you. But it's up to you to write it. And even though God is in control and God does have a plan for your life, it's up to you to pick up that pen and that paper and write it down. It's up to you to put on that jacket, get your keys and go to church. It's up to you to pick up that dusty Bible, brush it off and open the pages and read it. No one is going to force you and you have to do it in order to get to the next level that God has for you. He already has the plan in place, but he's waiting for you to take action. Miracles are born when we marry faith and action together. And I'm not trying to say that we have the same power that God does because that is false. But we do have power in our influence, in our actions, in the choices that we make every single day because he is a loving God. And he wants us to choose his way and to make better choices that will glorify him and bring others to him as well. Now, I hope you really were encouraged by this whole series based off of the glitter effect. And I really hope and pray that this particular episode bless you. It really blessed me sharing it. As I continue writing and recording episodes for the Hello Awesome podcast, I want you to remember that everything that I say and that I do here is stuff that God taught me. I'm not perfect. You're not going to find me saying that ever. And anything that I share is stuff that I totally understand 100%. God sees you. God knows you. And God is just waiting for you to be in tune with him so that he can create miracles in your life and use you to leave behind a legacy that will shine for him now i hope and pray that you will continue to follow all these upcoming episodes of the hello awesome podcast because i have such great things in store for you just because the series is done does not mean i'm done with sharing and i cannot wait until the next time so i hope you have a great great day my friend and we'll talk soon If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries? It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. For more information about all things Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeshop.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.